0: Mindfulness Mode, 281.
1: I screamed at myself to stop it out loud. And I said, you would never say that to anybody else. Why are you saying that to you?
0: Hey, Mindful Tribe, thanks for joining today. If you're new to Mindfulness Mode, thanks so much for being here. Last time I talked with Scott Simons. He's passionate about yoga and about the planet. He's an ecopreneur. He lives a life that's totally centered on mindfulness. Check out Scott on mindfulnessmode.com 280. Well, it's almost Christmas. We have a little snow here in Canada. It's beautiful out there. If you're celebrating Christmas, Merry Christmas to you. And if Christmas isn't part of your life, I hope you're having a great day and possibly enjoying a little bit of holiday time around now. Today, I'm bringing you a fun, energetic conversation with the founder of good radio network she's an artist and this is one way you may be able to get your hands on a true picasso because that's her name she's also a coach and a writer sit back i think you're truly going to enjoy today's episode relax and just take in every second of mindfulness with us on mindfulness mode We have with us today, Mindful Tribe, a bubbly, delightful, happy, very productive, an interesting woman named Frankie Picasso. So Frankie, are you in mindfulness mode today?
1: (laughs) I totally am, Bruce.
0: (laughs) That's good. I'm afraid not to be. (laughs) And I just assured her this is going to be a relaxing discussion and we're just going to be talking about whatever comes up. So I'm looking forward to that. But I want to share with you, Mindful Tribe, a little bit about Frankie. She is a talk show host. So she's the expert in this whole area. She's a business coach, trainer, and she's also an artist. She's founder also of the Good Radio Network. And her paintings have been featured in the International Book of Contemporary Artists. Wow. And her book, Midlife Mojo, won a 2015 Great Writers Award. I mean, it's just so much that she does and does well. So I can't wait to to talk with you about all of these different things, Frankie. But Frankie, what does mindfulness mean to you?
1: You know, mindfulness to me is really about being present. It's about using my intuition. Um, it's about listening instead of speaking. <laughs> <laughs> and it's about listening to um, the downloads that I get from the universe, really. And and they happen a lot.
0: The downloads you get from the universe. I I love that. Tell me about your most recent download.
1: Oh, yeah. You know, it's interesting because this morning I heard the name Maria. And I don't know who she is. I don't know anybody named Maria, but she's going to come. And I'll, I'll remember that I heard that because it's kind of interesting but the book midlife mojo i can't take credit for writing it the universe wrote it like the words
0: just came out
1: spirit wrote i read this book sometimes i go oh my god i'm never good (laughs) but (laughs) i know i didn't write that (laughs) that's amazing how
0: long did it take you to have those words come through you and onto the paper
1: six weeks bruce
0: six weeks
1: six weeks Oh, that's crazy!
0: And did you devote the entire six weeks to that, or were you doing no, other things? No, I
1: didn't. And you know what? To to be honest, I had was I, I I I had been in a bad accident. I had spent six months in a hospital. Oh. I've been in a chronic pain since then. So I was in major pain when I'm writing this book, and I have no idea. Like I have no recollection of writing it. Wow, it's crazy. And,
0: and so, tell us more about the book. Tell us what it's about. I haven't the read it. The book is
1: about it's it. In its essence, it's a prescription for change. Okay. It tells you step-by-step step how to change your life. It's, a, it's part coaching, it's part pragmatic, and part spiritual. And it, it's, I chose the audience in midlife because that's where I was. And because I had had such a profound accident and life-changing uh, event, I felt I was prepared to tell other people how to okay. change their life.
0: Right. Interesting. Yeah. Well, speaking of changing your life, I want to know about you as an artist. Frankie, the artist. Have you always been an artist or was no. that part of the transition? I
1: thought it was. It's part of the transition. I started painting about seven years ago. Okay. And I couldn't draw, but mm-hmm. I could paint. It's very, they're two different disciplines and it's very interesting. But I loved that I was able to. You know, channel my creativity in a different way um, because because of the accident. I was always looking for new ways to uh, lessen pain, to get out of you know the house, just just to do things that are different from, from my everyday. And the painting became a vehicle for me for social impact. So, because it's so important to me, um, I was able to take my paintings and now my custom paintings of of pets. Um, to to pay for let's say cleft palate surgery through Mercy Ships, to pay for um, the animal, the donkey sanctuary that's behind me. I got a couple of donkeys. Okay. Uh, you know the different things that really mean something to me, and the reason why I started the Good Radio as well. Social impact is kind of my thing, so um, it's my way that I get to change the world
0: wow that's fantastic well let's talk about the donkey sanctuary where is that located and can you just give us a little background
1: yeah the donkey sanctuary is just near guelph if you haven't been there right it's, guelph it's,
0: ontario it's a, canada
1: yes and i it's a have lot been of there fun. actually yeah yeah it's a lot of fun and i i gave my my kids and grandkids all donkeys last last year for christmas i said pick pick go here pick your donkey okay. I'll, you know and i'll donate to it um, so they all they all have a donkey. I don't know. There's just something about when they're sweet and sad and, and so misabused. And, and I just think that, I'm so grateful that they have a, a place to live at the rest of their lives. Do you think
0: that donkeys are more abused than other animals of that type? Horses well, you know, and... they're called beasts
1: of burden for a right, reason, right. you know, and, and what happens usually is that their feet get neglected. The hoofs aren't clipped. And so right. when the, when they grow so much, they become hobbled and very painful and, and a lot of them, like, you'll see their, like their necks are out of whack and um, yeah. So I think that they are.
0: So they when did you are. first learn about the donkey sanctuary?
1: couple of years ago i didn't even know that it was here but as an you know there's another artist i know a local artist who who likes to paint donkeys at the donkey sanctuary he says, okay. come on let's go paint donkeys and that's how i heard about it and i fell in love but i bought like i'm a horse lover i'm an, I'm an animal lover right, i did animal okay. communication like you know wherever animals are you'll find frankie that's my happy place so yeah it's just another great spot to go
0: and so now you paint animals and you mentioned dogs but do you paint all different types of animals
1: i do i paint horses dogs um i've done a couple of cats I'm not that good at
0: cats <laughs> uh, Cats more difficult <laughs> they're more mindful i think aren't they yeah
1: well maybe they're, you know i larger animals i've done um elephants and you know different things but recently my i'm, I'm on a kick because um i just painted the african wild dog Now the oh. african wild dog um i had a biologist on my show who is you know, trying to save the African wild dog and painted dog. And they're also called a painted dog. And, um, this dog, there were a hundred thousand of them, I think. Yeah. about a hundred years ago, there's less than 5,000 today. Really about to go extinct in your, and my lifetime. And that really scares me. I don't want anything to go extinct. Now this dog, um, is beautiful they have a beautiful society we can learn from them they never fight amongst each other ever they if if one is injured they'll bring it back um and and bring it food for months on end and if they can't do jobs then they become the babysitter of the babies so they're just beautiful a beautiful society and and like i said something that we can all learn from so greg rasmussen who's the biologist who's lived with them for 25 years has developed a collar because um what happens is because of the bushmeat trade um they they get caught up in, in snares. So this, this collar, which costs about $250 um, just snips the snares when they get, when their necks get caught in it so that they don't die. Oh, So this is the only way that, you know, they can really save them right now, but the predators, man, that's oh. the predator.
0: Yeah. Boy, that's sad.
1: Yeah. It's really, really so sad.
0: sad. How much of your time do you spend painting?
1: Uh, twice a week I go. So um, at least four to six hours a week. And this, I had a very special thing happen to me that I don't know if I should tell you. But anyway, so I had a call from, from an, ad agency that they were looking for Canadians with famous last names of painters um, to, for an ad campaign where, you know, just because it says it's a Picasso doesn't mean it is a Picasso.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yes.
1: So last Saturday I went down to paint a Picasso. They wanted me to paint a copy of a Picasso and it ended up being six feet by four feet. I'm only five one. So it was way taller than me. And, And I painted this and they go, Oh, and you have an hour and a half. Now, it normally <laughs> takes me six hours to paint my 18 by 24, oh, right? Sure and, sure. and they say I'm a fast painter. Well, I did this, Mother, in an hour and a half, and wow. oh, my God, it was hilarious.
0: but it was a picasso it's a picasso that's hilarious (laughs) oh my gosh well you'll uh, see it
1: soon probably in a couple weeks of campaign
0: oh i can't wait to see it well i want to ask you about your talk radio network Mm. your good sorry good radio network i want to talk about that when did you get the idea for this and how did this all come together
1: yeah so another download from the universe um, I had been on the radio for a number of years with Mission Unstoppable, and I had seven shows at one time. And and I, I was getting a little bored with it all. And I said, okay, I'm going to stop for a little bit because I need to be re-energized and recharged. So as I was waiting and meditating on it, finally, two years it took me about almost two years. Download comes and it says, I, I I had heard that you know people go, I'm only one person. How can I change the world? Yes. So the download said, go find one person who is changing the world, start a new show. So that's what I did. And it turned into the Good Radio Network. And I started highlighting nonprofits and people who were out there in big and small ways changing their world, whether it's a neighborhood or the world in general. And I became very enamored with the United Nations global goals. And so I started to try. On, I started a new show, Frankie Sense, and Frankie Sense was kind of loosely aligned with the global goals. So I would try to have a non-profit or guest on, who was, you know, uh, supporting one of those goals, whether they knew it or not. Okay. You know, violence against women, feeding the hungry, you know, that kind of thing. So I really like to make sure that I that I have a nonprofit on that show to to help to give support to. And that's well, that- kind of how it came about. So it also became talk radio, um, that does a world of good. So go beyond talking to actually doing right. So money goes out. <laughs> and when
0: did you establish this network?
1: Um, I did, uh, 2014.
0: Okay. So three years ago,
1: three years ago, I was just heading on three years. Yeah.
0: And it, it's really incredible when you look at it online because you have quite a number of shows and topics. Tell us about some of your shows that you have on there. Oh
1: my gosh. I've got so many different shows on there. Well, Mission Unstoppable. Uh, started out for many many years um, people who are unstoppable and it still is but in different ways people who have been unstoppable in their life people who have overcome great obstacles come out the other side and and tell us about it so I really wanted to model good behavior and and let people know these people weren't born with the silver spoon in their mouth they weren't born being unstoppable but somehow they rose to the occasion right
0: and And they've had challenges like all of us right like
1: all of us exactly and and so it's very important that we tell their whole story, not just what they've accomplished. And then Frankie Sense, as I said, it's more of a variety show. Um, I like to have authors and and interesting people, musicians and nonprofits and have, you know, give everybody their time. But then we all have a discussion about whatever, you know, is happening that we want to talk about in the world. Um, then I have other people also who I have invited to have a show like Alice Sikorsi. She's a Nigerian actress and radio host. She has fascinating guests. Uh, we talked about our good friend Maura. Um, yes. more Sweeney the yeah. ambassador of happiness yeah, she's got she more for wonderful. you yes and uh there and you can go there and look there's other shows on network.com. but I have personally interviewed like all of these are my interviews these books are interviews of people that that I have interviewed and there's way more around um so I enjoy started because I really enjoyed reading I was a guest I was a guest on CFRB okay. on uh, I, I used to manage a world kickboxing champion so I met spider Jones through kickboxing. And so spider wanted me to come on his show as a coach and I would go to the green room. I'm like, Oh, spider, look at all these books. They're so fantastic. He goes, who reads them? I'm like, what? <laughs> I would read them. Yes. And so I became the host who is known for reading the whole book. <laughs> you know? okay. I go, don't send me your questions. I don't want to know your questions. I will read your book. Don't worry about it. I'll ask you questions. And, and that's what happened. And I love it. I love that I get to, you know, support authors like yourself and, and myself, and uh, read good books.
0: Yeah. Oh, I do too. I, I really love connecting with people, and when I get a chance to read the book, I really enjoy it. And I do often get a chance to read the book. So yeah, yeah, it's it's really exciting. And I read exciting. a lot of
1: books. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. The iPad yeah. made it easier because yeah. I, at first I didn't like it. Yeah. Um, but now, like, I can read a book way faster than holding it. You know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Sure. Yeah, and you can be anywhere. You can be on, you know, on a a trip, wherever. You don't have to take a stack of books with you. Makes it so much easier. Yeah, for sure. So I want to ask you this question, Frankie. I want to ask you, what kind of a child were you when you were like seven or eight years old? What were you like? Show us a picture of a typical day in the life of Jackie or Frankie Picasso. People
1: always call me Jackie. Do they? Um, Yeah, (laughs) yeah, it's common, common. Um, Frankie, seven year old Frankie. precocious. (laughs) precocious. <laughs> and I hung out with animals. You know, I, I was a horse freak, dog freak. I had, you know, my dad um, had promised me a horse when I was 10. So we got a farm and, you know, I would go to the farm and just love those animals. Like that was me. I swam every day. I was a big swimmer. Um, just, you know, kind of, it's funny. Like I wasn't, I was a leader, but not a. a I was a leader, but not the kind who wanted to collect people around me. I just didn't follow other people, you know. You so, just did your own so thing. I, I did my own thing, and people followed my trend kind of thing. But it wasn't an intentional, you know, to, to get them around me or anything. It was just now looking
0: back. Do you do you see yourself as having been a mindful child? Did you have that element of mindfulness?
1: Only when it came to communication with animals.
0: Right. And so yeah. you could you could really feel their presence. You could I you felt, felt them connected. and I
1: knew what they were thinking. And I later grew up to study animal communication and, and hip, I'm a hypnotherapist. Um, and I think I was always somebody who stood up for, you know, injustice. though. that was definitely me. I right. you know, definitely.
0: Yeah. So I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure it must have really bothered you when you heard about animal abuse. Oh my! How gosh. did you? How did that affect you?
1: I cry. I can't even watch animal movies because I cry. Like I'm always going to cry. I go down the road and ever since I was, I can't even remember how it started. um, You know, I would pray for dead animals on the road, you know, please take their spirit, you know, make sure they didn't hurt so much anymore. Like from a little, little baby, I, I remember, you know, always doing that. And, and like when I see animal abuse, I mean, that's why it's so important for me to really, you know, be an activist when it comes to animals and, and the mistreatment, because you know what, we, we have to be better stewards. We have to be better caretakers.
0: Well, Dr. Wayne Dyer was much the same way. And I remember him telling a story about how you know he would never ever ever kill an animal of any description and he was playing he was playing tennis and this wasp or this bee came and it was like buzzing around him and he thought well I just can't kill it and and then but he you know he was in a match with someone and then he swatted at it and he killed it
1: oh, and no.
0: and he lost the match because he was so focused on, you know he was distraught <laughs> like he had killed a living you know a living thing and you know I thought well that's kind of like me too like i am not comfortable with the idea of killing anything just for killing all.
1: like no. yeah
0: and i, I have and, and i'm not comfortable with guns and i mean living here in canada that's fine because guns are yeah. not something that, that we see or talk about, or most of my friends don't own guns. And uh, so then when I go into a culture where guns are so prominent, it, yeah. it makes me feel uncomfortable. How do you it's feel when very you.
1: Very uncomfortable. I was recently um, on a fishing expedition in Mexico and a boat came up with men with machine guns and masks on their face. And, mm-hmm. um, Luckily, it was the police, and they said, You don't have life vests on. Okay. (laughs) But they cover their faces so that there's no retribution to their families. So people don't recognize them and can go back to their families. That's scary. We don't have that here. You know? Uh,
0: No, we don't. It is scary. Yeah, I remember when I went down to Mexico for a house building project with some teenagers and we were crossing the border into Mexico and then when we crossed the border back it was like, "Oh my gosh, you know the machine guns and you know we were You feel we like were, a criminal." Oh yeah, we were instructed <laughs> and you, you know, you look straight forward and they'll ask you to get off the bus and walk down the certain path and don't even look off to the side. And I kind of thought, "Oh yeah, yeah, you know." No, they were not kidding. They don't kid. They are not kidding around. You do no. that thing. You do what you're told. And
1: oh. yeah, it, it is very scary from our culture to go to mm-hmm. one that you know is is racist, one that has yeah. guns, one that you know really is so different from from how we think. Yeah, and that's just the United States. Yes, know? Like, I know. Really,
0: and and the thing is, I mean, there's racism in Canada. There and, is, and I think it's it's important not. I mean, from my point of view, I feel like. I am not surrounded by people who are generally racist, but the thing is, there is racism, and there
1: is racism, but there's also diversity, and yeah, we accept the diversity as a culture, and the racism, you know, is is a byproduct of maybe people who come in, um, because I think, you know, for Canada, ever since Trudeau, you know, brought in, you know, multiculturalism and stuff, I mean, we really that that's who we are as Canadians. We are diverse. Yeah. And and we try to, you know, support that diversity. Um, do stupid people exist? Yeah. They exist everywhere, unfortunately. Yeah. But, you know, I remember a time when my kids were the only white kids in their class, yeah. you know, in, in a neighborhood where we lived. And they do, too. And so what? Yeah. You know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I want to talk about the subject of bullying for a moment. I I always ask a question about this, and I really think it it relates so closely to mindfulness, because if you're mindful, you have a whole different way of approaching it and reacting to it. Do you have a story that you can share with us, Frankie, about bullying, either child I've got or adult? Two stories. Oh, do because you? Because
1: I'm going to tell you a story from a female perspective. Okay. I bullied myself. Oh. I bullied myself and it wasn't until like maybe f- even five years ago that I realized. And I was so, I remember one day where I was so mean to myself, my thoughts were so mean. I th- I, I screamed at myself to stop it out loud. And I said, you would never say that to anybody else. Why are you saying that to you? Cause you, I know you would never, ever, ever say those words to anybody living or dead. So stop it. And you know, I think especially women, as as it relates to our bodies, as it relates to all kinds of things, we are very cruel to ourselves. You know, we give ourselves, you know, cruel messages all the time and we need to stop doing it. And the only way to do that is to be mindful and hear the words that we're saying.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's the first step. Notice first it, step. hear it, pay attention to it. And did it stop when you oh, screamed yeah. at yourself?
1: Yeah, yeah, it did. Because now when they come up, I'm like, uh-uh. No, 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 no. We're you not just gonna, stop
0: you, you it in to its tracks. That.
1: Yeah, you don't get to do that. And that's what being mindful, and, and even as it goes to racism or anything that people are doing, when you stop and you hear your thought and you go, Do I believe that? Because that's the second. Do I believe that? We don't often question our beliefs. And as coaches, that's like one of the first things that we do with people. We go, What what do you believe? And you know. In, in in a spiritual terms, in the law of attraction terms, what you believe is what shows up in your life. So if you don't have the things that you think you want, it's because you don't believe in them. You know, so that's another story. But from from that perspective, that's a that's you know a really interesting way to look at bullying. But we do bully ourselves.
0: Yes, we do. Um, What's in, your in, second story?
1: Um, the second one. I was married to an abusive alcoholic who um, was abusive emotionally and physically. And he was a bully. And he, I, you know, he was my second husband. He wasn't my children's dad, but he would bully the boys. If I was to kiss my, my boys goodnight. Oh, you girls, he would call them girls and that's bullying. You know, that is a form of bullying. And when it got so bad that, I thought my oldest was going to get between us and you know hit him or something like that. Right. I had to stop that. I had to stop that right in its tracks because um, you know I was afraid that he would have something on you know a record that he would never be able to get to do what he wanted to do in his life if right. if if such a thing happened. Of right? course, yes. There was another really quick bullying story, um, and it wasn't against somebody else. It was actually against me again. It was after when I was had had my accident. I was in the hospital. I had a law- lawyer who was extremely mean to me and this was a story about how i learned to respond instead of react because he would have me in tears he would send me nasty letters he would uh, and, and i thought wait a minute you work for me yeah, i was just gonna say just a <laughs> second
0: this was your lawyer this My is lawyer. not you right
1: for me and but it was a big case and and I don't know he was crazy but I had a really good friend who had the same lawyer and he was so nice to him uh-huh. i go why is he so mean to me does he not like girls like what is it you know yeah. but uh, anyway eventually he got fired but i learned that i didn't have to accept that i learned that i could choose not to open those letters i could choose to you know, do things that made me feel better. And I want everyone to know that that's your choice. You can choose to react or you could choose to respond. And I began to choose to respond to, you know, the stimuli rather than, oh, I'm going to get you, you know, no, 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 wait, 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 sit back. Okay. Wow. We can handle this.
0: That must've been a very terrible experience.
1: It was a horrible experience. Yeah. It was, it was horrific, Bruce. Yeah. I, I've never uh, experienced anything like it in my life. And especially at a time when I'm at my lowest, of you course. know, yeah. I had lost everything, uh, you know, I'd broken bones everywhere and and you're like bullying me, like, come on.
0: Wow, yeah. Uh, Frankie, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. And Ooh. so just 30 second answers are fine. The first one is this, who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness?
1: Oh, there's so many of them. Um, the one person that influenced my mindfulness would be... Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah, my dad. Oh yeah. Yeah, my dad.
0: Oh, well, that's great. Number yeah. two, who? Uh, how has mindfulness affected your emotions?
1: I've learned to respond versus react. I have learned to to really listen and, and ask myself, "Who am I?" You know, and, and in that, I get to create the person I want to be in the world.
0: Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness, Frankie.
1: Well, I'm not very good at it. Um, I try to do the slow breathing, and I'm really not very good. I don't know why I don't want to take a full breath. It's like, oh, okay, I'm lazy. <laughs> I guess I'm just lazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have did... tried all the mindfulness techniques of, of breathing, um, especially as a hypnotherapist. You, know, you, you, you learn all of these things. Um, but I do try to take that earth breath. That When, when you really need to, to calm this big earth breath, very slow in you know, for seven and out for 10 or whatever, mm-hmm. that does ground you. That, so it's a really good. That is a good technique. I think it's a, a Hawaiian technique.
0: So if you could recommend a book related to mindfulness, what would it be?
1: Uh, Midlife Mojo. <laughs> of course, <laughs> that's a good book.
0: of course, yeah. that's a great book.
1: Yeah, um, there are so many, and like you said, you know Wayne Dwyer and maybe maybe The Power of Now, Eckhart Tolle. I think that's yeah. a wonderful book.
0: I do too. Because it
1: really just keeps you in the now.
0: I do too. Can you share an app which helps you to be more mindful, or um, maybe I recently know?
1: downloaded Calm. I, I like it. I think it's a really good app. Um, you know, it's free or you can mm-hmm. buy the purchase part of it. But um, yeah, you know, I'm not very good at going on guided meditations. I, I drive. That's my form, my trance. And when I drive, that's where um, I am mindful. So it,
0: is that your form of meditation when you drive? It
1: is. Yeah. So and that's where all the answers come when I drive. I turn off the radio and I just drive. And I, before I get in the car, I go, okay. I need the answer to this. And uh-huh. then I drive. And because driving is a trance state. Um and a lot of people don't know that, but you're actually in self hypnosis when you drive. And so that's it allows you to be open and receptive to the answers.
0: So when you drive, you don't put on any radio or music. Not usually. Or not well, like I that. do
1: if I don't if I'm not waiting to hear for, from right up above right then i will but if, if i have a problem or an issue or i want to know what I, what's next for me or i really have a question for the universe that's what i go okay i'm not gonna put any music on i'm just gonna drive and see what happens
0: now do you ever drive just for the sake of meditating like you don't even need to go anywhere I and do, you think okay i'll just drive <laughs> there and then i'll come back and when i come back i'll have that answer you do that
1: yeah, i do do that because it really is for me the best form of meditation i'm not very good at just sitting mm-hmm. No, no, I I can't do that. But if I can, you know, operate, then yeah. And drumming too. drumming is a really good form of meditation. I'm a drummer. drummer. I'm a drummer. Um, I'm a kit drummer and a hand drummer. And um, when you get into like, especially in hand drumming, when you get to a beat. um, Yeah, it's, it's also a trance state. And you can and you can get things done.
0: And so you'll just sit down and drum for like 20 minutes, half an hour, something like that. Oh, fascinating. Oh, oh, you're the first person I've ever talked to who drums and that's part of their meditation.
1: Oh, wow. Cool. I think that's cool. Yeah, well, I, and I like people to know that there are other forms of to, meditation other than just sitting. I do too. Yeah. Be-
0: because people think of it, okay, you must have to do it this way, this specific way. And, and that's not true at all. So I'm yeah. so glad we talked about the different forms that meditation takes in your life. How can we connect with you, Frankie? How can we learn more about what you do?
1: Oh, thanks for asking. Well, you can definitely go to the good radio network.com and you can write to me at coach Picasso at Rogers.com or unstoppable Frankie Picasso on Facebook. And, you know, I, one person did come up for me. I just want to mention him really quickly. Nigel Vardy. Nigel Vardy was one of my gu- earliest guests and Nigel climbed the seven highest peaks in the world. And he lost his fingers, nose and toes. He was the, def- he was the first person who was just below, not on Everest, but he was at the highest level where you could actually still save somebody. I think it's 25, 26,000 feet. Um, and he was saved and he still climbs today. And I go, Nigel, you've lost your fingers, your nose, your toes. Like, I love it. He said, I love it.
0: Wow. That's the ultimate passion, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Crazy.
0: Huh, that's amazing. Well, well, it's been fascinating talking with you, Frankie. I mean, like I said at the beginning, you do so many different things. But listen, you're, you're vibrant, you're relaxed, you seem to have so much fun with life. Boy, I, I, I'm just thrilled to be able to connect with you. So
1: thank- I'm so glad we connected and I can't yeah. wait to have you on my show.
0: Oh, I'd love to. I can't wait as well. So, yeah, this is great. So you have a terrific rest of your day, Frankie.
1: Thank you so much. (laughs) Okay, bye now. Take care, bye.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com and type the guest name or episode number into the search bar. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by subscribing to Mindfulness Mode wherever you listen. Maybe it's iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever. Hit subscribe and share. Subscribing and sharing helps keep Mindfulness Mode on the air. Subscribe and share, share, share. Till next time, Mindful Tribe. Use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.